apparently public speaking is one of the most feared things in the world. But we, as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we didn't know how to do it. It's just, it's inevitable. If you want to get authority, you got to know how to speak in front of people with confidence. And that's what on today's podcast, we're going to teach you in a very fun way as well. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use their stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. So my guest today is Russ Swanger from the Going Boldly podcast, but he's also known as Russ, the big guy. And so what Russ does and what we're going to talk about today is one of the key focuses that he does with his consulting work is helping improve people's communication skills, the teamwork, recognizing people's emotions, empathizing and problem and identification solving. And one of the ways he does this is through teaching you how to think on your feet, your improv skills which is so, so crucial and which is what I related to back in the start of this little episode, the number one thing that we all need as entrepreneurs and business owners is to get over our fear and to do that. So uh, I'm going to be picking Russ's brain today, especially if you're not sure how to get started. Um, How do you practice with, say, like a friend if you don't want to go out and do it during COVID, for instance? Um, But there's a wealth of knowledge in today. And a bit of an entertaining section. We actually break out into a bit of improv, Russ and I. A bit silly, but um, I'm sure you'll have a laugh and you'll learn a few on this episode. So other than that, I hope you enjoyed my episode today with Russ Swanger from the Going Boldly podcast. By the way, and improv is just one of those skills. So he's also got um, his freebie called the Free 10 Essential Superpowers publication and I'll have that in the show notes below. Hey, this is Jules Dan here from Storytelling Secrets. I'm here with Russ Swanger, and we're going to be talking about something really, really interesting today. I haven't had anyone on the podcast talk about it. It's all about using your improvisation skills, your improv skills, whether you say like you forget something in a webinar or you know it's on some public speaking arena and things don't go to plan. How do you make that all happen? So Russ, so happy you're here with me to chat about it. Hey, thanks, Jules. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Now, before we got started on the podcast live, you were talking about sort of your backstory, how you're a professional trained actor and you're a game show host and all this other crazy life experience. Could you tell my audience a little bit of your Cliff Notes backstory to who you were when you first sort of started out, you know, early twenties until yeah, right, yeah, where you're sure. right now. So, uh, all right, I'll give you the, I'll give you the abbreviated version, and then yep. you can even edit that down. So, I am a lifelong entrepreneur. I started when I was in high school, and uh, so I don't know. I'm not sure what your educational system how it's how it's uh, there in Australia, but that high school for us is like nine, ten, eleven, twelve generally uh, grades nine, ten, eleven, twelve. But uh, when I was uh, I was working other jobs, but I'm I'm an artist, so I was always kind of hustling too. Um, my, my earliest thing was as a kid, 
my little kid, I don't know, maybe 12, I don't even know how old, I have a little brother and little sister, and we would make up games for the other kids in the neighborhood to come and play. So kind of like a little uh, carnival or an amusement park type of thing. You know, they would have a, I'd have a squirt bottle and they had to squirt water to put out a candle or throw balls in a tin or whatever. And we would get the allowance money from all the kids in the neighborhood. They would come and spend their allowance money with us and we got rid of the toys we didn't want. So that was kind of the initial entrepreneurial bug, I think, from when I was little. But when I was in high school, being an artist, I was the one that everyone went to. So I did the covers of the yearbooks. You know, I did like the covers on the art, uh, the art books from the art club. And I did posters for everything, for school, for church, for neighborhood functions. And so I did all that type of thing. And as soon as I realized I could start getting paid for it, I taught myself how to paint signs, design graphics. And over the years, I ran a graphics business. I've had a couple of them. I've had staff and we've done every kind of corporate logos. Um, I was doing a corporate logos for a thousand dollars a pop back in uh, like the early eighties. And that was just for average businesses, you know, it wasn't uh, like fortune 500 companies necessarily, but, uh, and so we did all the, all the types of commercial work that you would think of I've done over the years, but I've done other things too. I've worked for other people along the way. I've worked for concert promoters, um, uh, like major national acts, you know, and I actually, they hired me to draw cartoons of them even. Um, so a lot of the, uh, I remember like the Grateful Dead and uh, I can't remember all of them, but uh, they had photos on, some of them had my cartoons on their road cases and things like that. But as far as being an entrepreneur, it's kind of something I've, it's been uh, an affliction I've always had. And I tell people that I'm artistically afflicted uh, because I have one of those creative minds. So uh, I'm lucky that I'm not totally right-brained. I have certain, you know, I have organizational skills and time management skills, and I've worked to improve my communication skills over the years. And so we'll skip over a lot of the things that I did and have done in between and get to the point where I got, where I actually was introduced to improvisation. So you might think it was because I went to college for acting, which I didn't. I actually went for commercial art and um, I'm actually a I'm actually a commercial art school dropout, if you can imagine. It's kind of like being a beauty school dropout, you know, in the movie. Uh, um, so, uh, so where was I? Oh, so uh, there's my there's my creative brain right there, going off on tangents. Um, so, <clears throat> so I actually had written a tape called um, "Presto Problem Solved: How to Find and Unleash Your Creative Problem Solving Genius." And it was back when everything would have been on cassette tapes. And I was out shopping it around, trying to get people's input from it. And someone said, hey, you should go to Toastmasters. And I had heard of Toastmasters, but hadn't really been there before. So I checked out a couple of Toastmasters clubs and I found one that was really dynamic. It had a lot of really cool people in it, all different people, business owners in marketing and sales in different communication roles. And so I was in that for a couple of years and we used to do a holiday party for ourselves. We would do our own entertainment since everybody was a speaker and some were more creative and dynamic than others. And my friend in there says, hey, my, 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 I've got a buddy who's an actor. He will teach us improv and then we can, we can do a show. And it was kind of like, I don't know if you have whose line is it anyways over there, but it's a very short form, jokey yep. kind Something of thing. similar. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I learned. Right. And we had, there were 10 of us. We had so much fun that we kept meeting every week after that for like a year or more. And slowly this morphed into a, um, an improv troupe 
called the Puzzle Players. And I was one, myself and Bill who taught us were the only two original people in it. And we got people from outside who are in actors or whatever. But that's how I got introduced to improv. The, when I first learned it, like the first, the first day at my friend in my friend's living room, when we practice, it clicked with me and I'm like, this is me. This is, this is how my brain works. I can do this. Like, it's amazing. So I got, uh, eventually what I did was I went off and got professional training from some of the main places in the country, you know, nationally known, maybe even internationally. Um, if you've heard of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, if you've heard of Second City uh, from Chicago, um, there, are, there are some others, um, the Groundlings in LA. Um, uh, Gary Austin was, the, was my favorite teacher there and he was the founder of the Groundlings in LA. He just died, I think a year or two ago. Um, and that's where I got all of the improv training, like the high level stuff that teaches you how to do uh, an entire play or an entire musical or long form improv, which is how you actually create a story. It's, it's not a quick jokey sort of thing. Everything is, everything is geared towards agree, agreement in, uh, with your scene partner or partners and then how to build the story. And that's what you, and that's what you're, yeah. you're, you're talking about is stories. Um, so the improvisational part of it, you practice the skills and the more you practice, the better you are at it. Cause people, people often ask me even like, well, why it's improv? Why would you practice? Are you just making this stuff up? Well, in part that's true, but there are basic skills that you need. And then there are lots of rules that you can learn. And as soon as you learn them, then you can violate them. But it's more like, it's kind of like learning a language in a way and learning like sort of like, um, I don't know. It's like, uh, like in every society, there's sort of like accepted norms. So once you learn all those things, other people who are in your scenes also know those. And the height, the the most amazing part of it is to establish what's called a group mind, and that's when everybody is in sync. In and uh, in the creative world and the business world, we call that also that's called like flow. So you're all in that. You're all at that higher level, and you can you sort of communicate with people without without like um, without uh, anything in advance. So there's nothing planned in advance. It all flows and all happens. Everybody's in sync. And that's an amazing feeling. Quite, quite a journey from, you know, selling <laughs> games as a little kid all the way to um, yeah. doing improv acting groups and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Really, really interesting. Could we sort of talk about, you know, like why, what are some situations why someone might want to learn improv thinking? Oh, absolutely. Well, let me, let me give you, um, let me give you one example that's very specific to acting and then we'll sort of, and then I can go into maybe um, the, you know, business related or more professional, other types of professional applications of it. So one of our students was an actor and um, he was, he came to learn improv and he was a young guy, very good looking. He was like that leading man sort of vibe and he was doing really well. We were excited to have him. He learned quickly. And one day he says, well, I'm leaving. And I think he went to New York city. He goes, I'm auditioning for these roles or whatever. And I was like, Oh no. Cause he was, he was a great addition to our group. Right. We took him from, we put him right into shows. I think, as I recall, well, I heard from him later and he told me that his improv training enabled him to change the way he felt and reacted as an actor who was working off of a script. 
because before his improv training, he was stressed about uh, forgetting his lines, about goofing up and messing up. And then after he had the improv training, he realized that he had the skills to improvise and, and then get himself back on book, back on his script, and that he didn't have anything to worry about. So it just, it put him at ease. And he found that the, the short period of time that he was with us helped him become a much better actor overall. So, and even though it wasn't an improv, they weren't improv roles, they were scripted roles where he had to memorize the script. Now, I can't do that. I can't, I gave up years ago trying to memorize anything. I, I know that I'm better. I can do some talking points. I can follow my PowerPoint um, or I can talk about what I know, which is the best way. Um, but in terms of trying to memorize a script or something, I, I just can't do it. So you'll, yeah. you'll really yeah. find me being, or you probably will never find me being fake, um, you know, spouting something that I memorized just for the application. Cause I, I couldn't do it even if I wanted to. So how does that relate or transfer to a professional role or a business role? Well, if you think about it, we're always selling ourselves. We're almost always presenting ourselves to someone in some way be it just a one-on-one -on -one conversation or whether it's in a small group or you're doing a, a, a presentation or what have you. So with those types of um, situations, if you've gained some of the improv skills, if you've practiced it with other people so that you can, you can, you can be in agreement, you understand how you can build on what's already in existence, you understand that you, should, you need to stay in the moment, right? Um, not think ahead, a little bit different maybe with a presentation or whatever, because you know there is a, an agenda there. You already know probably what you're supposed to be doing. So it's a little different, but the confidence that will give you when you know you have those abilities, like, like I said, you don't have, if the projector breaks down and you're left in front of a boardroom full of people that you need to impress uh, in some fashion, you can be perfectly confident that you have the skills to be able to make it happen, that the universe will provide everything that you need right there in real time because you already have built the skills up, right? And so your confidence level is up and that allows you to just relax and, and like be you. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And, and the reason why I think it's also in other contexts is like maybe like you said remembering scripts off by heart if you're doing say some video for content marketing or let's yeah. say you've got a webinar coming up it's pretty unlikely you're going to remember every single word and there's no point worrying about that you don't remember every yeah. single word so yeah I, I think that's why I, that's why i wanted to bring it up like absolutely yeah. brilliant skill to have i actually went to toastmasters first time two years ago and probably should go back now now that we've re spoken about it but you know just just the level of just thinking on your feet it, it really does it's a bit of a shock at the start how bad you are but then <laughs> once you start I, going it's addictive and i'm still bad with my ums and ahs trust me but i've sort of gotten used to it i guess uh, i can edit some of it out my podcast uh i do a little bit of editing my goal is to get to the point where i have to do virtually no editing at all so it's very real and raw but i have gone back in and i found that it's been beneficial for me to be able to listen and see myself and then also i'm helping my guests too because some of them aren't used to public speaking they're not used to that part of it although they're excelling in other areas which we want to um, uh, inform and educate you know the listeners but i i don't want them to come off like they don't know 
what they're doing or they're not confident, even though they might be nervous. So I do a little of that editing. But the interesting part about the Toastmasters thing is because I got into the acting and the professional high-level improv acting training or just acting training. If you talk to, you know, the directors and the, and the instructors, they're like, you're an actor, you know, you're not necessarily an improv actor, although that's what I enjoy and what I'm, what I can actually do, but I've taken physical comedy classes and, you know, lots of other ones too, along the way. Um, the interesting part about it is I didn't get to that from theater, which many people do. So I didn't come from a theater background necessarily. I didn't really I had one theater class in junior high school and my friend and I did it because all the girls went in there. So that's why yeah. we joined it. And, and um, so I got in it through Toastmasters, right? But because we formed the puzzle players and because we were out, we were running classes and we were performing, it was something that was of interest. And it actually was written up in Toastmasters International Magazine and it was published around the world. In fact, I got a call from someone in Australia, uh, coincidentally, I got a call from someone there wanting to know how they could, um, you know, institute it into their Toastmasters club. I suggested that they hire me and fly me to Australia, but they didn't yeah. go for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably be bold. So there's one thing about, yeah, why not go bold? But I mean, yeah, it's a good thing. Not, so, you know? Okay, well, let's just say you were taking, it's a bit different, obviously, because we're not in person and that's what really needs to happen. We need to role play this out. But let's just say, okay. well, I mean, like going through um, like an improv training, it'd be, a bit, it'd be hard to yeah. do it audio. Yeah, and but what yeah. I'm trying to say is, yeah, um, and I think you'd be, I think you'd be great at it. Oh, I love doing it. It's so much fun. Um, always hit the ums and ahs, like you I, said, though. But it, let's just say my listeners, they're like, eh, I'm not really keen on improv, but I know I need to learn it. Like, what are some yeah. things that you would do to first introduce them so it's not a complete shock, or maybe well, you do need a shock? The first thing I would do is I the the first thing I do is very often I change the title depending on who the target market is or who the client is. So I might I might call it an improv fun shop, or I might call it an improv skills shop, or I might call it an entrepreneur's skills shop, because you know what you you know what you're learning uh, soft skills and more but a lot of them are soft skills, right? They're communication skills. They're how to be empathetic. You learn trust because you have to trust your scene partners that they're going to do the right things to support you. Um, part, of, um, part of the improv process is giving your scene partners a gift, right? So you're giving them a gift rather than placing all of the burden on them. That's why we don't ask questions. If you're a high level, if you're skilled, you can ask questions, it doesn't matter. But especially for beginners, we don't ask questions. Because if I say, how are you? Now you gotta figure out how you are. But if I say, you are looking great today, I love that hairstyle. But now you got something to work with. You'd say, yes, and whatever. Like, yes, and this is the, yes, and my mom cut my hair. She loves it this way. Or yes, and I had a photograph for my um, graduation ceremony and, and I just got my hair cut. Or yes, and it's a wig, right? Or whatever. All these little open loops just so the other person can tag along and just be like, great, let me latch yeah, onto that. Yeah. And then you keep building and building. So you're giving, you're giving I, I had mentioned the hair and you're giving me a gift. If you said, you said, yeah, you said, yeah, I love it. It's a wig or yeah, I love it. It cost me $69.95 down at Wigs R Us. Wow. That's a great, that is a great build, right? You're yes and building and you've given me a great gift back. And you're saying, man, 
uh, uh, it's good to know they make such good products. I just bought stock, you know, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Why don't we do <laughs> I mean, a little bit a now and you can give me some feedback and then maybe that feedback would be valuable for the audience. Okay. Let's do that. That's be fun. Shot. So sometimes, sometimes, <clears throat> especially in the, uh, in the more jokey ones, you often, it's good. It's fun to involve the audience. Uh, and so you might ask for suggestions from the audience or have some things, uh, you know, different ways to get, um, uh, different ideas to start. Right. Uh, so, um, with the higher level ones, sometimes you don't get anything. Sometimes you get one word depends. It depends on the troop. It depends on their style. It depends on what they do. So you could just start. Do you want to start or you want me to? All right. So here I'll, I'll get us started. You want me to, we have so much snow up here in the North that, uh, the, the trucks that usually drive up and down our street are actually, um, spinning their wheels on the way up and sliding on the way down. Well, you know, I saw that as well. Um, and then occasionally some of those rubber tires, they just pop. And then I just saw the most amazing fireworks come out of them. Um, yeah, it was really interesting to see that. I, yeah, I heard that uh, there was a new company that uh, opened up down in Brazil, I think it was. And they somehow are combining gunpowder and some other type of pyrotechnics with the rubber compounds. So I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And um, what, what they're actually doing is, so I, I heard word on the street is that instead of on New Year's Eve, they, they're getting these trucks in and it, because it saves a lot of money from having no ship but all these, uh, you know, fireworks on trucks, why not just have yeah. the fireworks as the truck? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, there have been a lot of innovations in business over the years, you know, just in time um, um, storage, you know, just in time, uh, product deliveries and things like that. And so it's interesting, you know, the consolidation of different types of concepts together seems like the way to go. Um, you know, things are getting more expensive and people's time is, is getting much more restrictive. And it seems like a, seems like a great idea. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So you know, you got to cut down costs, you got to cut down all these other things. But, but the one thing that really draws people in is the entertainment. You know, these tires, they just, they just have amazing colors coming through new colors created actually. So um, have, have you seen those new colors that have just come out of the tires? So I have actually, because uh, my brother lives over in the other development. And uh, one of the interesting things over there is now, I don't know if your listeners realize this, but you know, we have snow here where we are. So yeah. uh, I would, and I'd be glad not to have any of that. I'd send it all to you if I could. But one of the interesting things is that normally when the trucks come through and plow, as soon as you get finished shoveling your driveway, the trucks will come by and they plow and they actually put a huge pile of snow right across the end of your driveway. And it's something that people hate. So it's been interesting to see that the fireworks actually has counteracted what is normally uh, sort of a social, a socially uh, despised negative aspect of winter. And they all come out to see the fireworks, these special tire works, I think is what they're calling them now. Uh, and while they're there, they shovel, they shovel out the, they happily shovel out the snow at the end of their driveway. As a matter of fact, I heard uh, through the local news that the level, the number of complaint calls to the uh, public works department has decreased by about 85%. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think, I think we'll stop at that little bit there. Cause we that could just be, keep going. that could be your end. Yeah, so we yeah. would do a, we would do a blackout 
if that seemed like a good place to end, we just like the blackout, however they do it. Someone would run across the front of the stage and that automatically tells everybody we're done or we're editing it or the lights go off. Someone else is hiring that and they come back or running yeah. that and it goes back on or whatever the technique is for wherever, wherever you're performing. So could you give me maybe some constructive feedback? So let's, for the audience, what could I have maybe done better? And then maybe they can take those lessons and apply it So themselves. I think it did, I think it did really well. And, and the thing, some of the things that you did that were appropriate one was that you agreed with what was happening. That's the main thing. Agreement is so important. On a, on a basic level, when you're learning, we like to, people even to say out loud, yes, and. So before, it, and it, because what it does is it eliminates the questions, right? You did have one question in there at one point, yeah, which, is, yeah, which is fine. But if you were working with another new person and you hit them with a question, they might be like, uh, 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 because that makes them come up with everything. Me, I don't care. Like, in, yeah. if you remember yeah. in Toastmasters, how they do, um, oh, I forgot what it was, what they were called now, table topics, I think we call them here, where they were impromptu, improvisational, spe very short speeches on random topics or topics that were selected by whoever was running that portion. Many people hate those, but I love them because I could stand up and I could do, like, I could do, I could riff like 10, 12 different versions of whatever, you know, like, because I, this is the way my brain works. Yeah. So, um, but many people yeah. have to train them to say yes and, and then we have to remind them to make statements, right? So your yes and, and the build part is important because you want to give your scene partner something to work with. If you just said yes or yes, but that's not good. A, a yes, but is essentially, I don't agree with what you're saying. Now, when you have a more experienced person, you could completely disagree back and forth and and have, you know, that that's the tension of your scene. So we call you, if you want to create some tension to keep it interesting, um, they used to call it conflict. I don't say that, especially in the new, with the new people, because as soon as they hear conflict, then they start arguing. And then it's all no, no, no. And the scene doesn't go anywhere. It just turns into an argument, which yeah. generally is not real interesting. Yeah, it's not much entertainment. So I'd say like, you did, I think it did well. Oh, thanks. You thanks. didn't seem to get nervous. You didn't, you didn't get flummoxed. You didn't seem to get flummoxed, you, you know, as grandpa would say. Flummoxed. That's a good one. Now, um, like I said, I, I do enjoy it. Maybe my ideas aren't as funny as I think they were at the time, but you just got to get something out. Um, while we're on the topic, so like well, we, don't saying, try, we don't try to be funny necessarily. Yeah. We, you know what I mean? I think what, what comes out is generally sort of like the personality of the person. So you, and sometimes the funniest things are someone who plays something very, usually they're, they're when you play it seriously. You know, if you're going for the joke, um, you basically, you, you ruin the flow. And uh, if you're going for the punchline, your scene partners will hate working with you. Yeah. They won't want to get on stage with you. Well, let, let's, let's sort of shift gears. Like what happens if you're not with scene partners and you buy yourself and you just realize you're recording a webinar and it was on mute for like 10 minutes. And then you're like, Oh, got to well, figure out some way to catch up <laughs> the last 10 minutes. Interesting. Right. So um, that's good. I, w I would say in, if I did that, I would just say to them, I think there might've been a glitch. I don't know if I did something wrong or if the machine is not working and we didn't record everything. We need to start over and just start over, right? In a situation like that, um, because you have control over what's going on. So, but if you were in a, um, if you were in a live situation and your PowerPoint went down or you were going ahead with your presentation and you realized that your PowerPoint went down or something like that, 
then uh, again, if you have the skills, you can just move forward with it. And um, you might, you might do something creative, right? So um, I don't know if this, I'm not sure if this is answering your question, but it just yeah, came to my mind. So if my PowerPoint went down, what I would do is I would grab one, two or three people from the audience, some volunteers, pull them up on stage or someplace where everybody could see them. And I would pose them for each slide. I would pose them in something. And even if it was nonsensical, since I already know my presentation and I would have some bullet points, at least in my pocket, right? In reserve somewhere, like for the worst possible emergency, tucked up inside my hat or on a little card in my back pocket, or maybe on my phone, probably in two places because if my battery died, I'd have it, you know, an analog version stuck somewhere. So I would know what I was doing and I would just pose them in some sort of funny positions. And then I would use my improv skills to make them part of whatever it is I'm talking about. Since I'm creative, I know I could do it no matter, and I could even tell them just to move around. And that's actually, uh, that's actually something that sometimes we do as a, as a fun thing for people who are new to improv and they want to create a fun atmosphere where they can involve the audience and the person who's best at improvising and, and, and coming up with things off the top of their head would be the announcer would be described these different scenes as the rest of the crew made them, you know? Yeah. I like this audience participation when yeah. shit hits the fan is probably one of the smartest things to do. And you just pray to God. I was going to say, you yeah. just pray to God you don't have super serious people like, I do not want to participate. Um, no. <laughs> I've had a few of them, but they end up not participating, but they end up enjoying themselves and, and, and laughing and learning something. So, um, uh, I, in fact, normally when I do uh, a presentation, I tell people that unless there's some reason why it shouldn't happen, I like the audience interaction. I prefer the lights on in the house. So, or in the arena or the auditorium or wherever it is, if small or large, I like the, I like to see people. Um, I like that energy, that interaction, that energy. And I, and in the smaller groups where even if there were three people, you know, uh, if there was like 10% of the people talking and it was three people, <laughs> like not like 10% and it's like a thousand people or whatever, but like, you know, a few people, you know, I tell them like, I, I welcome hecklers is what I tell them because I feel like I'm good at improv. A lot of times people won't, you know, they'll feel like, oh, he takes hecklers. Well, I can ask a question. Or if I, if I think of some smart ass, smart aleck thing to say, like, I wonder if he, I wonder if he would care if I said it, you know? And then as I'm doing the presentation, they kind of get, they understand, they get the feel that I'm not like a very rigid, formal sort of presenter. I'm much more friendly and I try to make it fun. So they know they can contribute if they want to. Mm. It, it honestly just sounds like, because like, you're very talented at it, but it just sounds like you need a lot of practice and a lot of repetition. Thanks. So what is something, or what would be the first thing? Like, is it improv class or is it go to Toastmasters or what would you recommend for someone who just wants to improve this skill? For improv? Yeah. Well, um, well, they could, they could, uh, they could call me <laughs> and I'll help them out for yep. free. They go to my calendar, go to my Calendly um, uh, link and, uh, you know, do a click on one of the uh, discovery calls or whatever that I use to talk to people and to meet people. And to, I, I give people free coaching session if they, if they want, if they want to figure out like if they should be getting coaching, but Hey, if you want to learn improv, you could use that. Uh, also, I may have right here. This is one of my, this is probably one of my favorite books. This is called Truth and Comedy. 
And if somebody is seriously interested about improv and they want to do more long form improv, something that's maybe a little, I don't know, of higher level. I don't want to be like uh, hoity-toity about it, yeah. but it's not quick jokey stuff yeah. for TV, but like legit improv and long form stuff. Um, this is a good one. These people were, were very, Charna uh, and Del Close in particular were, well, Del Close is considered like, he's the godfather of uh, improvisation. And Charner worked with him for years. And um, she now, as far as I know, still has the um, Improv Olympic in Chicago. It's called the IO. So as far as I know, that's her. But anyways, this is a good book. I recommend this. And actually, I learned initially, and there are a lot of other ones, but I learned from this originally. We actually went through this one chapter at a time. We would read a chapter. Then we would come together. We would practice all all the things in the chapter. And then if we needed uh, another rehearsal time or, 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 or um, a time to work on those skills, we would just keep doing it until we were ready to go to the next chapter. So, Well, that's a good way to do it. So Russ, where is the best place for my audience to, to get in touch with you? Well, you can Google Russ the big guy and you'll probably find my Facebook page, my Zoom or my um, uh, LinkedIn. Those, those are the places where I hang out the most. Yep. Uh, I, I am on some others. I, I'm kind of sick of Twitter, so I don't really go there. Uh, Instagram sometimes, but mostly LinkedIn is the main one. And then Facebook, because basically everybody's there. Uh, but you can go to my website as well. And um, can we can we give them a free can we give them a free book? Or free no, you've, guide. Got, you've got the 10 free essential superpowers. Is, was that the 10 essential? Su- yeah. The 10 essential superpowers. And um, that's free. You can go to rustthebigguy.com forward slash contact. And there's a simple little form in there. And yes, I do want your email, but be glad I'm not very organized. I don't think I've sent an email out in the past year. <laughs> I'll get better at it though. <laughs> so you'll be on my email list. Um, but if you don't want to do that, just you could send me an email and just say, I don't want you to send me, I don't want you to ever send me an email. I don't sell them or anything, the lists, you know what I mean? I don't sell the names, but you could always contact me and then I'll, I'll send you a PDF. So it's cool. free. So you'll get a PDF of this. Here, here it is right here. This nice. is one version of it. You this can actually see what it looks version. like. There's a current one, but 10, mm-hmm. 10 essential superpowers. Every entrepreneur needs to win the day. There you go. Sweet. So I'm going to leave good all stuff your... in there. Power skills, I call them. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to link um, all your social media po- uh, all your social media links and your your uh, 10 essential superpowers publication is going to be in yeah. there. Um, a- any last taking away, takeaway wisdom for you, for my listeners before, before the end? Uh, do you want it to be connected to improv or just uh, like professional winning people in general? Uh, what do you, prefer? you can improvise. Okay. Oh, I like that. Good job. Uh, yes. And okay. So here's the thing. No matter what kind of professional you are, whether you want to learn improv, whether you want to be a speaker, whether you're starting a business or whether you've already started a business, the main thing is to do do something, right? Action is the key. So my favorite riddle is this. Five birds were sitting in a tree. Three birds decided to fly away. How many birds are left in the tree? What's your best guess? Anybody? 
All right. If you said two, you would be wrong because there are five birds still sitting in the tree. The decision to do something is not the same as taking action. So do something, even if it's the wrong thing, because you know what? You will adjust, right? Our life is not a straight line. It's a zigzag or like a handful of uh, limp spaghetti or string. That's basically our, our path in life. So you zig, you zag, you adjust, right? You learn, you fail, you learn, you keep going. And the best way to get confidence is to have some level of achievement. Some people might say success, although I look at success as a journey, but so take action, do, learn, do more, continue. <laughs> well, how do they say it? Um, rinse and repeat. So that's what I suggest. And here's your connection to improv, because one of the main, th one of the important skills that I learned uh, in my acting training is that if you are stuck, you need to move and breathe. If you're stuck, you move and breathe. It literally interrupts whatever pattern you're in, whatever internal thoughts or whatever is in your head. And, and, and it changes the uh, energy flow in your body and everything. So move and breathe. And there you go. There's the movement part of it. It's the going, the doing. Oh, Russ, thank, thank you for that. Those kind words of wisdom. Thanks for coming on to yeah. Storytelling Secrets today. Yeah. You're very welcome. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Good luck, everybody. All right, that is it for today with my guest today, Russ Swanger from the Going Boldly podcast. To grab those that freebie he mentioned, just go to the show notes below if you want to contact Russ. I'm going to leave his contact details in the show notes. Other than that, thanks for tuning in this week for Storytelling Secrets. I'll see you Monday for the solo show. Bye for now.